heroes walk among us. They are in our midst every day. At Heroes in Our Midst, we find them, we celebrate them, and we learn from them. Heroes in Our Midst is a podcast about the power inside the heart, the human behind the story, and the collection of idiosyncrasies that both make us unique and bond us together through a common humanity. Join us as we are inspired, as we learn, and as we are challenged to be better by the heroes in our midst and the stories that they tell. Hi, I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop. Thanks for choosing to listen to Heroes in Our Midst. We've already heard so many incredibly inspiring stories, met so many heroes. Today's story is one that doesn't often get told. It's a story I have never had the opportunity to be a part of telling. But after I ended my Zoom call with Elliot Gray this past summer, I knew that what I heard in the time that we had spent together It needed to be shared. Yes, our guest today is Elliot Gray, but he wasn't always Elliot. He started his life as a girl, Emma. In fact, that's the name you might recognize. Emma Gray was already becoming a world-class rower, carried the flag for Team Manitoba at the Canada Summer Games in 2017, was a member of the junior national team and rowed for the University of Victoria women's team, It seemed, at least in rowing, that the sky was the limit. But it wasn't right. Not for Elliot. It wasn't him. And so I asked him where this unique journey of his all began. Sure. Uh, So yeah, I grew up in Winnipeg, born and raised. Had an older brother. He actually plays for the Bombers as an engineer. Pretty cool guy. Yeah, I just had a pretty good childhood. Played a lot of sports. My was just kind of me throughout my childhood. Like it never really, my family was never really like forced me to gender roles or anything like that. I just kind of got to be me, which was for me great at the time. Um, Played a lot of basketball, football. I played football like with the guys. I always did what my brother did. So whatever my brother did, I tried to do better. So he started Taekwondo, I did Taekwondo. He did football, I did football. Um, Always just kind of wanted to do what he was doing, basically. Um, Yeah, played a lot of basketball through high school, and then I was really into academics, music, um, had a bit of a rough sort of like junior high experience. Then I went to a really good high school, which again, then it just kind of, there was no like clicks, there was no groups. It was just, it embraced individuality. So it kind of made me feel okay, even though I was struggling with stuff like internally. Yeah, they did weightlifting for a while because my brother did weightlifting. And then, yeah, then I found rowing. So whole new chapter of my life. <laughs> now we're talking about as you grew up as Emma and, and, and your brother, he was older than you? Yes, he's older. He's three and a half years older. Okay, so cool. What a, what a great role model. And obviously you're very inspired by him and, and what he did. Now, how yeah. young were you when you started feeling like, I mean, you were born, for lack of a better word, born a girl, right? Yeah, I knew when I was really, really young. Like, I didn't have the vocabulary. And I think because I wasn't forced into a role, I didn't really even think of myself as a girl because I was, it was never, it was never, it, my parents never put me into that box. So I was just kind of me. I had my brother. I did what my brother did. I like hung out. Like my friends weren't like that either. Like I had friends that were guys, I had friends that were girls. It really didn't, it was never forced into my head, but I definitely just, I felt like I belonged in a certain place. No one wasn't really telling me I didn't, 
So I knew when I was really young, I didn't really acknowledge the fact that I didn't belong where I thought I belonged until, or that society didn't, didn't see me as how I saw myself until I was like eight or nine. And people like kids started grouping themselves. Like there was the boys versus girls in gym class, like um, puberty started happening, team sports started happening. And it was like, oh, what team do I play for? At least because I played football, it was like there was no girls football. So I just played football with the guys. So like that was a that's just where I was. Mm. Did and you verbalize it? Did you verbalize it to your parents early or? No. Um, when I was younger, like eight, nine is probably when I had the like, oh, like, mm. wait, this isn't right. I also hit puberty really early. So then it was kind of like, a, oh, this isn't right. I didn't really though have a dialogue. I just kind of kept it inside. And I was a really like complex kid. Like I had a lot of interests. I had a lot of like, I just felt different in a lot of ways. So I was just kind of, I was very much of the mindset that if I didn't know what something exactly what something was, I just kept it inside. I was like, I'm just going to figure this out for myself. And I was just like a curious kid, basically. Um, I was around 11 or 12 when I was like in once I got a little, once I got my own laptop, that's when I kind of like found out like what being transgender was. And I was like, oh, that's like, it just was an instant light bulb. Like, I just remember being like in my room on my like laptop in, on YouTube. And I just like found a video and I was like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. I definitely just swallowed it. Um, I remember writing a letter to my parents on my like laptop when I was 12 years old. Obviously never said anything, never sent it. I think that was about the age when I kind of felt like I had to make a choice. Um, that's like when I couldn't keep just floating in the middle, being like a little kid. Like that's when society was like, you're going a certain way. Um, I definitely had like, I remember when I was younger, like seven, eight, being like clothes shopping. I always got my brother's hand-me-downs. My mom was like, oh, we're going to go clothes shopping. And I was like, sweet. And I headed to like the little boys section. My mom's like, where are you going? I'm like, this is where I go. And she's like, no, it's not. And I'm just kind of like, what? And so like, I remember little moments like that. Yeah, whenever I had to do something like team related or school related, that's when like also 13, 14 was when it stopped being like when I was younger, all the guys were like, no, no, no. They 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 play on our team. Like, cause I played football with all the guys I went to school with, right? So like, they're all just like, no, no, no. They don't go on the girls team. That's not where they belong. No, like it was just, but that's when kind of started going like, oh no, wait, you do go over there. And I think that's when I, that's when I was just like, you know, I'm just going to swallow this and try. Cause I had enough going on in my life that I was like, I could still be happy. Like this might not be worth it. I didn't want to put my parents through it. It was just kind of something that I think I was also a very realistic kid, if that makes sense yeah. in terms of like, I didn't think it was worth the risk. Wow. I was just like, especially like, 10 years ago, like the amount of visibility and um, just exposure to it of like an older generation now versus then, like as 12 year olds see it on, it's like they have social media, they know what it is. Like a six year old can have the dialogue now to like express that. Like they know that who they are is an actual identity and an actual person. And it's not just something wrong with them. They're not just like something they should be scared of. Like it's something to be celebrated and like, it happens to a lot of people like that. I didn't, that wasn't well known. And I knew that at that age enough to be like, I did, I really didn't like hurting people when I was younger. And right. though it wasn't something that 
I should have done. Like it wasn't on me to protect people from who I was in my mind. That was sort of my dialogue in my head. So 13 to 16 was like pretty rough. Yeah. I definitely tried to be someone I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Did you try to just then be more, well, I'll just be Emma and try to figure this out, play with the boys, or did you feel, was there, were there moments, how did you know that it was not just maybe you were gay or maybe it was that kind of thing? Like, uh, yeah, well, I had a lot of resentment towards men because it was like, they wanted, they had what I wanted. Sure. The interplay of like my sexuality and my gender identity was very, very confusing as a child, especially growing up when you have role models, people associate role models of the same gender as role models and role models of like, or someone you think is cool as the opposite gender as a crush, right? So I had a very confusing childhood of being like, do I want to be you or do I think you're cute? Yeah. On both sides of the spectrum, because I was just kind of like trying to find who I was in society and no one represented who I was. Also, there was people I wanted to be, but I didn't know in what way I wanted to be them and what I liked about those people. And it, it was just a very confusing journey for me. So I definitely did struggle with my sexuality as well as a child. Cause I was like, I like identify, I kind of I talked to my mom about that as a child. It was like, maybe I'm bi, maybe I'm gay. Like a, that was a journey for me, like later on in my life. Cause I knew I was like attracted to women, but then I also didn't, it was hard for me. Cause I didn't identify like when I was in a relationship, one of the reasons I kind of gravitated towards that because if I was in a relationship I did have like boyfriends kind of growing up um but when I was in a relationship with a man I were not really a man at that point of their life um I was like the woman like I was put into that role whereas if I was in a relationship with another woman I felt like I had more flexibility to just kind of be me and explore myself because I wasn't I was at least breaking one sort of cis heteronormative norm or like role. So I felt like I had more freedom, mm. but I was also confused as a child because like I was attracted to what men were because one, I identified it with that. And I also don't really identify, I'm kind of like in the middle of the spectrum in terms of my sexuality at this point in my life, but I have a girlfriend I love very much and we're like in a committed relationship, it's all good. But like, <laughs> I don't, at this point in my life, it all makes sense as a child. Cause I'm like, wow, I really wanted to be them. But I also thought they were kind of cute and I thought that they were really cute, but I'm totally not them. And, but I'm being perceived as them. So yeah. like in retrospect, it all makes total sense. But as a 12 year old or a 10 year old, that's like a lot to go through. It kind of felt like my head was exploding. Yeah, I, I, I believe it. And, and because there were so many different angles that you would take if I'm, if I'm on this side of it and, and, in, and let's, let's face it, let's just call it what it is when you're growing up or when you're in the girl's side of things, which now of course you identify differently than that, which yeah. is helping you obviously. But back then that's what society did. And that's in fact yeah. what lots of us still do because well, lots of us still identify as women or men. And so yeah. it's incredible to hear you talking about that. And actually, I'm surprised how clear you can make the confusion to me because I can, I can feel, I can't feel that, but I can hear what you're saying. And when I put you, when I put you on either side, I can't imagine how you dealt with that as a young teenager. Yeah. And like, I think that's why 
especially having like positive representation of like various types of people too, because I think a lot of the time queer media is very associated with a certain type of person, or there's a lot of different ways that you can be just as like, there's a lot of different cishet men. There's a lot of like gender expression is so much different than your gender identity. Like you can still, I like, I know struggle, like when I was coming out and it's like becoming who I am, I was like very, very, embarrassed and protected of any like feminine characteristic or like definitely being raised um for part of my life as female you kind of you're just society views you differently but that also that forces you to view things differently because you're not shamed for having emotions but then you're also kind of shamed for having aggression so then you're the way you view like what you put out into the world changes and you kind of see both sides in a unique way like i honestly think society would be better off if everyone could live as like the opposite gender for a year just to like or as like a different person like experience some um oppression or minority or just even difference that you never experienced because one thing i find really unique is like navigating the privilege that i've gained because i pass now as a cishet male and I've gained a tremendous amount of privilege in society from that. But like, I didn't grow up with it. So it's on it, like, in some ways, sometimes I kind of am offended in certain ways that people perceive that I'm going to respond to something, because I'm like, no, I don't think that like, I don't believe like, I was you like, I experienced that. Yeah. But at the same time, like, no, they don't know that. It's very unique situation in that the thing I find it kind of ironic that the thing that the one part of my identity that makes me a minority or unique in that sense or some people think is wrong like basically let's just say minority is also the thing that makes me the most privileged person in the eyes of society for someone who doesn't know that part about me so it's a very unique <laughs> situation in that sense which I kind of I think that gave me a lot of, I don't know. I definitely, when I was younger, thought like feminism and stuff like that. I kind of almost was against it because I didn't feel like a woman. So it kind of made me mad almost when people like put, like, especially when I started rowing and it was a big thing about being like a female athlete. And I did like come out as like, not like being queer at a point in my like rowing journey. And that was like a big thing in terms of like being a like strong, like female athlete. And I always had this internal gut punch of being like, well, it doesn't matter. Like that's, I'm just me, like that's not a thing. Whereas now being out of that and like living as myself and then seeing, I can kind of see now why that was so important. And I mean, that wasn't me. So I didn't identify with it in any way, but it's like, I have a unique appreciation for like both sides in the same way that like now just being in sort of like masculine circles when I can feel how like toxic it is to have like, I mean, a lot of people are better, but like just the way that you are expected to respond to situations, I can like get both sides of the pressure to be something you're not. And it's just kind of a unique a unique like experience I wish I could share with other people because it definitely just makes you see the world and like others in a better way because of it but I don't know it can also get a little upsetting at times. <laughs> um Elliot take us to when you were rowing as Emma 
when did what how old were you when rowing came into it and you already have touched on it you were in a female sport and i know you were very successful as a female rower so talk about when you started and and, and how that went for you yeah so i started in my end of my grade 11 year so that would have been 2015 sounds about right 2015 yeah i graduated in 2016 so it would have been 2015 like the spring of 2015 yeah, I just I was doing Olympic weightlifting at the time and they just did TID testing at my school and they were like, yo, you'd be good at this. Um, so I just started rowing. Um, it was very humbling because you start a sport you've never really heard of. They tell you you're going to be really good at it. Then you put you in a boat and it's not the same as an erg at all. So then I remember I flipped the first time in my single into like two degree water in the Red River. Like it scared the heck. I was just like petrified of a boat. Um, had an unfortunate in my first regatta, I broke the single because I crashed into a shore. I was like crying. I was so embarrassed and I was so upset. I like, I didn't even notice I broke it too. I started the race and I was like, wow, a start's never felt so stable. I got like two strokes in and everyone's gone. I'm like, wait, I'm moving really slow. And like the bow of my bow was just in the water. And it was just like, maybe I'm not meant to do this, but I just kept doing it. Yeah, my I think the unique thing with rowing is when I was rowing in Winnipeg, it was very small, like the club has grown since, but like I was, it was very small, it was just me and a few other athletes. And I was more just like me again, I was just rowing the single, I always rode the single. So I kind of separated myself from anything gendered or the gender associated with it. So I just I was just me, I was like, the kid from Manitoba. Um, so I had a good winter training. I, the next summer is when I went to junior worlds. And I think that was the moment when I was just kind of like, anytime I was in that sort of situation is when something felt wrong. And I was not sure if it was, maybe I wasn't meant to like grow at that level. Um, maybe like, I didn't know what it was, but something always felt like off and I couldn't place it, but it was always when I was at like a bigger regatta when I was rowing with some, or if I was rowing with somebody else, or if it was like, I was part of the like women's rowing team, like the junior women's rowing team. Like that's always when something felt just not right. Um, for me, I'd repressed a lot, like so deep down that it wasn't, it wasn't even in my head. It was really, it was weird because I was like, oh, that's not me. But like all, everyone I followed on Instagram was trans guys. Like it was all like FTMs like trans guys that I like looked up to, like that was just like the content that I consumed. But at the same time, I'm like, that's not me. I just think that's cool. Like, I just think they're dope people. But at the same time, it was just like this, it was just, I wasn't ready. Like there was just this wall and I just wasn't ready. Very much, even when I was younger, I always put myself into like a sport or I put myself into my music. Like I just got obsessive over whatever I was doing because I just like, couldn't just be me and just like stop. I always had to be doing something and channeling my like energy into something because I just like wasn't really content. And so I think it was like the following year that I was just kind of like growing. I couldn't figure out why I was so distressed by it because I loved the sport right. and I really enjoyed doing it. But it was whenever I was going to a competition or I was with a team thing that it just just didn't feel right. And it, I just was like, I need to figure this out. Um, 
And at that time, I thought it was because like my sexuality and I actually like talked to Adrian about it. She was like, like, I owe her so much, honestly. Like, I think that started me being able to create the dialogue in my head and trying to like actually accept and explore the reality that it's like, okay, maybe you need to be yourself. And I didn't know what that was at the time, but I think that's when I realized like, okay, like it's okay to be having whatever feelings I'm having and that like I can take a step back and work through them. And that summer when I decided to not go to U23 selections and to just like take a step back, focus on me, row at Canada Summer Games, just like at that point I decided I was going to go to UVic because I needed space from like my parents. I just needed to be me alone and figure out what that was. I honestly think that was like the life-saving decision of my like life. Like that was probably the moment that I was like, yeah, I can do that. I, I like... Luckily, I got support. Like, I got support from Adrian for doing, like, to stay. I got support from, like, the whole, like, sports center from my coach. Like, at that point, our coach had left. Janine started being the coach at WRC. And, like, everyone was like, yes, like, you do this for you. And, like, that was probably the summer. That was the summer that I enjoyed rowing the most. Like, even though I was rowing, I was in women's rowing, I was, like, the flag bearer. Like, it was very, like, my name was everywhere, like, at least within Manitoba. Like, it was, I couldn't avoid it. Like I had to do some interviews. Like it was very out there. Like I was in women's rowing events, like, but it didn't bother me as much. I think cause I felt free almost. I think I kind of knew it was a step in figuring out who I was. So like, that was actually a really good summer. But then I started, I did my first year at UVic and I rode for the Vikes. Um, but it, that was like so much women's rowing, women's rowing, women's rowing. And the men's rowing team was there. And that's kind of the point where I was like, whoa, like this is, not right. Like I remember I was really into my school and my academics. So I was like, maybe I just only want to focus on my academics and I don't want to row. And maybe that's why, but I just remember just every night I was just so upset. And I just, every time I was in a boat, I just felt like a shell of a human being. And it was just like, not what I wanted it to be anymore. Cause I still love the sport. So then it was that summer. I took the summer off from rowing. I did a co-op in like Ontario and that's when I started to be like, okay, this is not who I am. The person I was with at the time was like super supportive and they helped me kind of through it, which was nice. I kind of tried, got to experiment with who I was. It was a very consuming process though. I definitely didn't like who I was when I was trying to figure it all out. I've kind of forgiven that, mm. that stage of myself at this point in my life, but it was just a very, very rocky two years to like get to where I am now. You know what I find amazing is, is you were the flag bearer for Canada Games. You yeah. were obviously super successful. You were as humble as you are. Uh, you were a standout in women's rowing. And some might think, wow, but if you were doing so well, couldn't you just have you know, stuck with it? But you're telling us such a great part of this story is how much more important it was to be where you belonged and no matter how what success came your way and you know i think society we get really mixed up with that i think we think a gold medal in something is going to make everything okay and we're learning in this podcast how boy it goes so much farther than that and so um so as you went to victoria you were still as as emma and then you said you took that summer off and and was that when you started to decide to make like major changes yeah I think one of the things, interestingly, when I was like having success yeah. is 
that was always what I was trying to do. I was trying to find like a purpose because I felt like my life had no purpose. Um, And then when I was in rowing, it's like, ah, this is my purpose. But something always felt off. And I think once I started having success, that's actually when the the gap got bigger because I was achieving what I thought I wanted, but it didn't feel like I was achieving it. As cheesy as that sounds, there's like this very internal feeling of like every time I saw my name somewhere, same thing every time I had to like put something on a form, it was just like I was being punched. And I didn't know why, because I put it so deep down and I was like, so I just kept investing myself in the sport more and more, but I really didn't like who that made me. And I just, it never felt like I was doing it as weird as that sounds. Um, but it also gave me, I think with high performance sport, cause it has been such like a large portion of my life, even before rowing, I was always like very intense with sport. It forces you to be very self-aware. Um, once like, especially competing, you have to really know what works for you and how your brain works. And I think pushing myself in that way helped me to sort of figure out the, like how my brain worked. And I think that was also what then sort of led me to realizing like, oh wait, this isn't right. Because I managed to create, get like the skills in coping with everything that I had going on in my head to kind of be like, no, like it's not, comp- it's not race day anxiety. It's not this, it's like you, there's something you need to figure out. Um, so yeah, that summer, I th- also, because I had such deep seated like resentment towards like men, I was like, oh no, that's not, I couldn't be. Like that's, I didn't identify with that. I was like, maybe I'm just like non-binary. Maybe that's why I don't really feel like I fit in a box. That's like a hundred percent a valid identity. That's somewhat unfortunate that it's the stepping stone, like it's not a stepping stone, but some people do sort of try on that label before they get to another. Um, unfortunately, that sometimes makes some people diminish the validity of that identity as itself. But I did take on that identity more privately for a while. Um, I just kind of asked my like really close friends and my like partner at the time to be like, yo, like, can I just have they, them pronouns? I tried out some different names. I went by M opposed to Emma. I just like tried on different things like that. I got my first binder and just like kind of felt out how each little change made me feel. And like no change ever felt bad. Like it was always like, oh, this is great. Like this is closer. Like, oh, this is closer. Oh, this is closer. And I kind of waited until I was set in my identity and it it happened quick. Like it was from like June, I was like, everything is wrong to like end of August. I was like, oh, I know who I am. Like it just, things just started clicking. So September, I like told my parents, I back to school as Elliot. Like I remember I was actually sitting, I was um, in the Okanagan driving back to from Ontario to the to Victoria and I remember I was like I needed to like tell the team like the bikes like women's rowing team and I remember I just like went for a walk I was just like sitting by the ocean and I just like typed out a long message and was just like you guys need to know this and then I just like sending him out the coach and I was like hey I just like need to figure this out and at that point I was kind of like I don't know if I want to like leave the rowing world entirely or what but like I don't belong on this team in the way I did before. 
Can I ask when you came to that moment where you were, when you talked to your parents and you talked to the team and um, the, the whole labeling thing is not what I want to do, but to understand there are names for these things. And you can understand some of us who come from even a little more old school, I'll be honest, right? There's lots of new terms that a lot of us are trying to get our heads around and And um, we want to learn this. We want to know these things so that we are speaking in the right direction. What did you say to them? Like, so you, you went to Elliot. Was that, was that the moment? Then I didn't know. No. Okay. Then I went with he, him, or they, them. I just knew it wasn't she, her. (laughs) Um, You were one step closer. If someone were to refer to me in they, them pronouns, it doesn't make me dysphoric. It doesn't bother me. Once I kind of accepted who I was, I'm like, yeah, I'm very much, I'm very much he, him. Like I identify as male. Okay. So so then knowing that now, but you were still in the they, them, not sure. Yeah. I just said that I, I like said that if you like see me on campus or whatever, please like refer to me as Elliot. And that I was like exploring my gender identity and that I was transgender, but I didn't label my gender identity at that time. I was just like, Hey guys, especially it was easier with my team because they were all like, cool, we support you. And they all got it right. Like they're all just like, yes. What did that mean to your team? Did that mean what happened? Could you still row with them? Could you? Well, I said I didn't want to. (laughs) I technically could have. I mean, I, the sports and transgender, that's a whole, whole bigger that's like 20 hours, million <laughs> hours, honestly, of discussion. That's like, yeah, that's a whole new world <laughs> to dive into. But I technically, having not started hormones, even if I identified as he, him, I could have rode for both. I would have not had testosterone as it works in like um, Canadian rowing. So did you decide to quit rowing then? Was that Yeah, the- I needed to not be in any box or category or team and I needed to feel like I had the flexibility to one day feel one way and one day feel the other and not have any pressure or anything being put on me and I knew even if I kept if I kept rolling on either team they're still like I'd be pushed one way and yeah I think also since I made a name for myself with my dead name in rowing it just wasn't a place that I wanted to be in yeah. and I still love the sport of rowing and I thought about rowing again for the men's team and ex- like just going back to it but it was I associate it fondly with a person who I was along my journey but a person I'm no longer and I kind of want to keep it that way like it feels it's too attached to who I was and though at this point it doesn't make me sick to think of who I was, whereas like a year ago it did. Wow. It at this point I've kind of like loved I've learned to like love that person as still as part of me, but like not see them as like, oh, that was like the girl version of me. But that just being like a version of me who hadn't grown into who they are. And I still when I look back, I see myself as like a little version of the man I am now, just like stuck in a role that they just like weren't made for. And I don't see I don't hate that person anymore. I don't like that person doesn't make me feel uncomfortable with who I am now. Like I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, I'm just proud that they got, that they stuck it out enough to get to where I am now. Cause like, unfortunately a lot of kids don't make it to that point. And like, once you actually get to a point where you have the right hormones in your body and people are seeing you the way that you see yourself and you're actually like, 
you love who you are and you're my every day of my life isn't consumed by what does that person think my gender is who do they think i am who do i think i am like it's such a consuming thing to have going on in your mind when you're trying to figure it out and like everything you do is like oh will this make people think of me the way i want to be thought of like especially when you know who you are it doesn't get easier right away like it gets harder especially like just when you start tea, like you want things to happen now, but it happens really slowly. And you're like, oh, I have to solve for my body. Therefore, I'm I'm the like 28 year old God guy that I think I am like in your head when you're like fragile and like don't really have a confidence yet, but you're not, you still have your Mickey Mouse voice and you still feel uncomfortable in yourself and you still are just trying to be who you want. But it's so hard to like put out positivity and like love and kindness into the world when you're just, so uncomfortable and like that's been the most freeing thing is to just be able to like I can speak and I'm only focusing on what I'm saying and helping a person not so fixated on what they think my voice sounds like or just like answering the phone and just like there's so many things that I can do I can meet new people and I'm not concerned about again what they think of me it's more just like normal like it's just i just feel like i'm living in society and it's not like this huge weight on me and now that i kind of like have gotten to a point where i love and accept who i am it's so much easier as i mean it's a cheesy thing you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else but having experienced so much negativity and self-hatred at a point in my life to now being at a place where i feel so like light and free i just want everyone else to reach that point, no matter what their thing is. Everyone has their unique thing that drags them down, that causes them pain or suffering. But to get to a point where you accept it, you love that part of yourself, and you can flip it in a way that you celebrate it. And it's part of your experience, but it's not all that you are. Like, like I have a, like my, I live a transgender experience. Like my life was that, like that is part of my experience, but, at the end of the day, I am me. Like, it's not this huge part, like it's not all that I am. Like, it's just a small detail in my story that leads to a lot of the great things that I have and the great, like in the way that I think, it definitely enriches who I am, but it's not who I am. And to like get to that point in my life was a very, very long, long process with like a lot of work and it doesn't just happen once I figured out, oh, I'm trans, or once I started T, like that was honestly probably part of the hardest part of my transition because I thought it was just going to fix everything. But I realized, no, I had to do work within myself. Like it was a tool to help me fix things and become the man that I wanted to be. But it wasn't just like a key that was going to, I was going to snap my fingers, poke myself. And like, I was who I wanted to be. It was like, no, I still had to one, grow up like everybody else and figure out things about who I was. I had to like just the way that you experience emotions changes and it was aligning. Like it was like, oh wait, like this is how I'm supposed to feel. Like it was like once levels leveled out, it was like, whoa, like this was how my body was meant to feel. I kind of like liken it to the way that you feel like biologically female people experience before they have they're like period when you're like hormones are out of whack. You have like PMS. You just like something feels wrong. And you're just like, mm. like, I felt like that my whole life. Oh. Like hormonally, I was just like, this is just 
not right. Yeah. As soon as I got testosterone in my body and it like leveled out, I was like, well, like it's this like, you can't put your finger on it, but there's just this feeling like this click where it's like, oh, I totally understand people who don't understand how being transgender could work or like how your mind could think that way, but it's not like you're never going to understand. No. Just way I will never understand the lived experience of a person of color. Like I will never live that life, but I like accept it. I celebrate what it is. And it's like, you have your own unique experience that makes you, you it's okay that I'll never understand because I'm not you. And I think that's, with transgender being somewhat of a medical process for some people, not everyone, it's medically like transitions, but for, I think, cause it's somewhat in a way clinical for some people, or it has a clinical aspect to it. People, everyone wants to understand it scientifically, but it still has a, something you can't actually explain. There's still something intangible about it that a cisgendered person will never experience in their life but they still have to accept the validity of that identity for what it is, even though they'll never understand it. That's right. Same way I'll never understand an extrovert. I don't get how you're energized by being at a party with 50 people, <laughs> but I, I, I accept that you do and you go do you. I'm just gonna read it on my couch. Like same way, simplified, but it's the exact same thing. Did you ever feel like it was unfair that you had to stop rowing or that you felt like you had to stop rowing because it didn't fit. Are you, are you, were you sad at all about that? I don't think I ever felt I had to in the sense of other people's views or like the environment I was personally in. Like it never felt like, oh, there's no way I could row. Like I never felt like I would be like that people would like treat me poorly. I never thought that it would be a negative environment. Yeah. I think it was just something I personally couldn't handle like i had my own insecurities that i knew i couldn't get over so to speak i definitely was sad that like that was something that i couldn't do at the level i was doing because i did enjoy it but at the same time i had spent so many years needing to get to that point that like there was like a lot of things i would have sacrificed to like live comfortably and not make every day feel like i had 20 kilo honestly, 200 kilo blocks tied to my ankles when I was going through the day. Like, I just, the amount of energy it took to live my life, it was like a very easy sacrifice, but yeah. I never felt like I couldn't row if I wanted to. Cool. And let's talk about moving on. What happens now? What is your life like and what do you have to do to keep transitioning? So yeah, I've been on T for almost a year and a half. Okay. I started February 2018. 2019 yeah 2019 so almost a year and a half um that's something i basically am on for the rest of my life there are certain changes that stay there are certain changes that would reverse that's kind of a as i grow sort of thing i personally do a shot every week so that's how i do it most of the changes happen in the first like year and a half two years then there's a few that happen for the like over the next like five um and then it's just pretty much maintaining it personally i'm waiting for my top surgery which was supposed to happen in May before the world ended, but I'm going to the States to get it done with a surgeon privately. So I kind of can't go yet until the border opens. Though it was a blessing in disguise because I don't know, I find, I try to find a blessing in disguise in everything. 
I'm okay to wait. Okay. <laughs> a, lot, a lot worse things have happened because of the current state of the world than me having to wait for my surgery that my parents are helping me pay for in the right. States. Yeah. And then that's pretty much the only like medical transition that I plan on having. Probably going to get a histo because if I'm not using that, then yeah. why have a risk for cancer? But yeah, that's pretty much it. Like I very much feel I'm at where I need to be. And now, I mean, moving into the future, all of the challenges you've been through, and obviously that will help you with any challenges that come yet. And, you know, I mean, it's an, it's an incredible journey that you talk about. And, yeah. and Elliot, how old are you now? Uh, 22. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question on this. I mean, I have a million more questions probably, but wasn't that really has come, come to mind for me is, so now knowing what you know and landing where you've landed and, and all of the journey that you've done and, and the Emma that you knew and that I love that you have learned to love who she was and you, and you, you, know, you hold, a, hold her in, in a special place because she did survive a lot and, and now you can be who you are because of that. But do you wish, do you, sometimes when we go through hardship, we're sort of in the end, we're glad we did because it made us who we are. Is there, do you ever wish that this moment could have come for you sooner if you had known more sooner? Or are you sort of glad for your journey? The, the swing of what you have done it earlier is the unique twist on it. I, it's kind of a hard, very, very like hard question. Um, I don't think my parents would have been ready for it. And I don't think I was strong enough. I just, I wasn't old enough to, I don't know. I also don't want to assume how my parents would have reacted then. It's kind of a hard, like, well, if it was safe, it's an easier decision, but you don't always know that's the case. Yeah. Um, or would I have had as many opportunities? Like how would that have gone? I also know like I am a fairly, I'm a fairly like masculine binary person. Like I don't really like within society when people don't know I'm trans, I'm very like stereotypical straight white guy in terms of the way, like my interests in terms of the way I like interact with people though I'm like, like not totally, not like conservatively, but like I think the way where I was raised and where, what sports I played and who I was as a child and not having the confidence in myself that I do as a 22 year old, as a 12 year old, in terms of not being as like insecure in my masculinity, I think I wouldn't, I don't think I would have been as good of a person as I am now, or it would have taken me longer to get to the emotional age and maturity I am at. And I think the difference between living as a little girl up until 12 and the difference as living from 12 to 18 as a female just societally going through that, there's a big difference. And like physically, yeah, if I've gotten hormone blockers, that would have been great. Um, all the physical side effects of having transitioned earlier or even the magical fairy having been born in cisgender male's body, great. But I, though I do feel spite sometimes when something's harder or I'm like, wow, this would be so much easier if I didn't have this or I'm feeling really dysphoric that day or whatever. I don't think I would trade the person that I am, especially given that I have so many people in my life who like, yeah, I'm me. My experience and my journey is part of who I am, but I'm 100% Elliot. This is who I am. And like, it's not even a thing to them. They're, they don't ever think of me as female. They're like, that's really weird. Like, <laughs> no, 
you like whatever like i showed my like girlfriend a picture of me like when i was in my grad dress when i was forced to wear and she's like oh my god like never show me that again she's like you look like a guy trying to do like really bad natural drag is what i always say <laughs> i mean i can make fun of myself um but like <laughs> it was just like it never it even like especially now that you know it's like oh yeah no that didn't work for you and yeah i could do the like in the best case scenario I grew up cis and I have my mind, but like, that's impossible. And I know that's impossible. And honestly, I wouldn't like as hard as it is. Sometimes I wouldn't change it because people who go through whatever their unique hardship or challenge is in their life and go through it constructively are some of the most amazing people for like others, like amazing to others. I don't care if I'm amazing in some standard of like, wow, that person did this amazing thing, but just like, if I can be a positive influence on people who's close to me's lives, just like people I know who have experienced hardship and more positive influences on my life. Like that to me is like the most beautiful thing of like humans that you can go through something negative and not want to then put it on other people, but want the opposite for other people. So I don't think I would trade that for having a slightly easier or a lot easier time emotionally because I wouldn't have the emotional depth that I do. That depth definitely brings more positivity than negativity for others. So I think I'm content with it. For sure, your story, you know, is what rang true for us. And so we have to have him as a hero in our midst. And thank you, Elliot. You made it through some really tough times and you found yourself. And I think that's really amazing. Uh, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. Good thing. Just for some fun and to get to know you just a little better before we say goodbye. Uh, what is your favorite sound? Mm. Uh, so that would be anything nature related, like waves crashing or like rain, wind whisk, like rustling of leaves or like the crunching of gravel under your feet. I find all those very soothing. I love that. What is something that you have struggled with? We've heard a lot of your struggles, but is there something that you've struggled with that continues to affect you now that no one would know looking at you? I'm Well, there's kind of two. One in terms of I'm a kind of a control freak, not in the sense that I need to control others, but more of my own things in my life. I'm very routine-based. So anytime something in my routine goes awry that are like daily things that help me cope, that really bothers me and I kind of have to rein it in. But I've at least reached a point where I'm like, I know that I can't control everything and I can only control how I respond to all the things that I can't control. Sometimes it takes me a little bit to get there. Yeah, I think that's my, one of my biggest struggles is just like letting go of, just like letting life happen sometimes. Yeah. Describe an ordinary moment. That's very ambiguous. I don't know. Oh. I'm very, I don't know if this really works, but I'm very much like, I found a lot of beauty in little things. And one thing I love about like all the people that are really close to me or I care a lot about is like their own personal like quirks or like inflections and in how they speak. And you know, those moments where someone just does something that's so like inherently them and you just look over at them and you're like, wow, like you're just, you're just so you and it's amazing. I like love those little moments where you're just kind of like slapped across the face with how like beautifully, uniquely people are who they are. And yeah, I find those moments really fun. I love that answer. Thank you for that. What is one piece of advice you want to pass along to others? Um, honestly, to like, as cheesy as it sounds, like live in the moment. 
and not let things you're dreading or things that have happened affect what could be a positive now and just kind of accept that like you're going to feel pain but you don't have to suffer yeah accepting your past and your potential future controlling your responses to things but letting go of the thing itself that happened what is your favorite failure i don't have like a specific one but i think like any failure that results in self reflection or one that makes me realize how like grateful i am for like what really matters or like little things in my life kind of those failures that like slap you across the face and are like wow you were like really caught up in that thing like what are you doing like this really doesn't matter like anything like that as little or as big of a failure as they could be tell us about a book do you read are are you a book reader um yeah so one book that my mom actually suggested to me she actually started reading it to help her with like processing my transition and everything but it's called the power of now by Eckhart Tolle um i really i really struggled with like living in the present and not just getting like consumed by not being where i was yet or where i wanted to be but then also like kind of hating the past and just kind of feeling like in this weird limbo state and it really helped me to like accept my feelings and know that they were valid but not be consumed by my feelings and work on like taming the sort of the fire within but not letting it exit my body in a negative way but more spinning it into something positive that then could like be like help my own experience then make that experience not happen to others in certain ways love it you, do you have a few songs you love does music play a big part in your life i was a huge hugely into music um i actually music probably like saved my preteen life i was very into like drums guitar piano i would say any i usually listen to songs that like fit like fit my emotions at the time um one song that like if we're on the theme of like transgender or whatever um the village by rebel or whatever it's w r a b e l is like a very like gut wrench song but yeah i i love music so i always listen to it when i'm like whatever mood i just can't pick a sing couple songs off the top of my head cuz i listen too much but it's cool to know that music was a big part of that preteen part for you and it was a great escape too right just yeah, to be i always always had earbuds in love it um who are two or three people who influenced you and how did they impact your life mm i always got this question when i was rowing too i always gave him an annoying response of i don't really think of individuals standing out in terms of like my life like i'm very much i think there's something to be learned from everyone who enters your life both negative and positive so really just like anyone who has both helped me and challenged me in my life i owe something to contributing to who i am and i i definitely don't have like those like single figures like no one has ever really stood out to me in terms of being like wow you're so impactful like just there's so many people who are amazing in so many different ways i can't just have like those like two people as like you and you you know <laughs> but yeah amazing people who have come into my life yeah i'm very very lucky in that sense and even people who were like technically might have played a small role like played a huge role in my life even if i'm not even super in contact with them now or whatever we've moved on we're at different phases in our lives like i i'm literally grateful for like everyone who's been in my life in some respect so i think that's a pretty awesome place to be in 
So that's Elliot Gray, a hero in so many ways, perhaps mostly for his courage to share his story. One he knows that many won't understand, but one that someone might need. Elliot, thank you for trusting us to share your story, the story of yet another hero in our midst.